The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 64th ever and Friday the 13th edition of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www. IIRSports, one word, dot com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my event of the week that I attended. Also, I will be joined by A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, as well as Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, during this, the slowest sports week of the year, it's all about Penn State and the free report. So my highlight of the week was the release yesterday, finally, of the free report regarding the Penn State scandal, and finally getting to the bottom of things and laying out the facts for all to see. My low light of the week was the free report's confirmation that the four most powerful men at Penn State did nothing about Sandusky for fear of bad publicity for the football program. While completely ignoring the child victims, and this allowed countless more victims to have their lives ruined by the child pedophile Sandusky. My bizarre story of the week, sticking with the scandal, is the number of high-profile people still refusing to accept the fact in the last 24 hours that Joe Paterno allowed this to go on. The facts are unmistakable. And the reality is that he was the only person who could have stopped it and still have kept his job. As my listeners know, I grew up in central Pennsylvania near State College, so I truly, truly understand the power that he possessed, but in this case did not use. So while this cover-up is now bared once and for all, confirming it as the worst sports scandal ever, the university's board of trustees are meeting as we speak in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And it's my belief they must immediately shut down the football program. 
As I said when the story broke late last year, Penn State should not have played Nebraska that following weekend, and they certainly should not have played the subsequent bowl game. They should have followed the lead of the University of Miami, of all institutions, who voluntarily at the end of last year did not go to a bowl game after their own scandal, which obviously pales in comparison to the Penn State scandal. You know, it's a world turned upside down from what we once thought when longtime renegade Miami did the right thing late last fall and Penn State did not. And now there's rumblings coming out of Miami again that they are considering not going to a ball game this year in the wake of another possible violation involving a player. So now the Penn State trustees have one more chance to follow the U's lead and finally do the right thing. It's time to reassess, step back, and shut down the program until they get everything straightened out down there in uh, central Pennsylvania. Well, my event of the week that I covered was the International Sports Engineering Conference at the University of Massachusetts campus in Lowell, Massachusetts. It was a timely event with some serious brain power in attendance uh, with approximately 200 sports engineers and equipment makers discussing timely topics such as what maximizes athletes' performances and events uh, taking place in the upcoming Olympics, the Tour de France, which is happening as we speak, and this week's Home Run Derby. So I started my day by interviewing John Brinkus, the host of ESPN's popular sports science show. And John opened the conference with a keynote address, and these are some of the topics that he covered. This is John Inglesby from Voice America Sports Network, and I'm here at the International Sports Engineering Conference in Lowell, Massachusetts. And, John, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the keynote address that you just delivered this morning? What uh, I wanted to cover in the keynote address is really the commonalities between the world's greatest athletes. I think one thing that people think is that great athletes just simply wake up and are amazing, and it's simply not true. Um, you know, the fact that the world's greatest athletes work harder than their competitors. That's what they do. They focus, they practice perfectly, they don't just practice, um, and they really sort of set out goals that they want to achieve. I'm John. Uh, I'm a big fan of your show. I've seen it often on ESPN. And can you tell me a little bit about the history of how you brought that, uh, brought that to fruition so that it was on the air? Yeah, we, uh, I own a production company with my partner called Base Productions, and we did two different kinds of programming, sports programming and science programming. And through a series of different shows, we did a show called XMA, Extreme Martial Arts, then we did a show called Fight Science, then from Fight Science came Sports Science. Um, we really sort of fused sport and science together into, obviously, sports science. Uh, it started over on the Fox Sports Network. We won a bunch of Emmys there. Then ESPN came along and acquired the property. And, you know, we've been on ESPN for many years and hopefully many years to come. And uh, did you notice anything in last night's Home Run Derby that you thought was uh, of interest? Um, yeah, in the, in the Home Run Derby, what's, what's interesting to me is that um, those guys can swing a bat really, really fast. It's all about bat speed. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that it's about strength. 
um, but it's just bat speed, and bat speed is through kinetic linking. Um, strength can overcome inefficiencies in a, in a kinetic chain or can add to it, but it's not just that you're strong, it's really that you're efficient. And do you put any stock into the concept uh, that it might mess up hitters' swings? Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I'm a big fan of Andrew McCutcheon, and there's a lot of debate in the last 48 hours about would it mess up his swing uh, in particular, but what are your thoughts on that? You know, it, when you swing a bat a million times in your life and then you take, you know, 50 to 100 swings like a home run derby, I, I, I don't know if that really can counteract it. But I, what, one thing that it can do is it certainly can psychologically mess you up. I mean, I don't think, um, you know, people talk about muscle memory. Really, that's a misnomer. There really is no such thing as muscle memory. It's really just the neural pathways that are burned, um, you know, into your nerves. Like, it does not... Your muscles don't remember anything, but your mind remembers a lot. So um, I think that the best way to think about it is a, a piece of music that you're playing. You know, once you remember how to play it, you're always going to remember how to play it as long as you play it, um, you know, a reasonable number of times. If you don't play it for a really long time, then you'll forget it. And something like the Home Run Derby, I mean, you're only taking a break for a couple of days. Um, so I don't think that it's really going to alter the swing. It might psychologically affect it, but I don't think physiologically it's going to do anything. And John, uh, finally, uh, between your show on ESPN, conferences such as this that, uh, that you were the keynote speaker at this morning, what do you see out on the horizon for sports engineering? I think that you're going to see a lot of teams creating positions where they're going to want a sports scientist, um, someone who's at the forefront of technology um, to help as much as possible. But along with that, I think you're going to see an explosion in just the field of psychology. Because I think that what we understand from technology is, yes, technology works, but it, more importantly, breaks down mental barriers. Whether or not a piece of technology actually works, if you believe it works, then it will work. So there's a lot of chicken and egg um, analysis that needs to be done on, you know, do, does something in, in fact help in terms of technology or is it just simply breaking down a psychological barrier? Well, John, thank you very much for your time and best of luck uh, during the rest of the conference. Thanks so much. And that was my conversation with John Brinkus from ESPN Sports Science, an impressive fellow, as you just heard. And... Uh, I also had a moment to speak with uh, Patrick Drain, who is the conference chairman and assistant director of the Baseball Research Center at UMass Lowell. And here's what Patrick had to say. So, uh, the, the Sports Engineering Conference, it's, it's an international gathering of, of scientists and engineers from around the globe, about 20 different countries represented. And they're all presenting their research, which they've uh, published uh, papers and, and technical, uh, for technical proceedings on a wide variety of sports, including cycling, uh, baseball, soccer, um, table tennis, every, every sport you can think of is pretty much represented at this conference. And it's certainly timely. Uh, I just attended uh, a session regarding uh, the Tour de France, which is occurring as we speak, and I know there's going to be uh, some presentations having to do with the Olympics, and also, uh, 
I know you work at the, our assistant director, I believe, at the Baseball Research Center here at UMass Lowell, which is uh, probably a large part of the reason why you're hosting the conference. Can you tell us a little bit about the Baseball Research Center? Yeah, so at the Baseball Research Center, we've been around for about 13 years. We're involved in a lot of the dynamic testing related to the bats and the baseballs. We work with Major League Baseball, the NCAA, Little League Baseball. And that's really the reason that we're, we're hosting the conference is because we've had this engaging um, research area uh, at UMass Lowell and, and wanted to be able to, to bring in uh, the research from around the globe that's related to sports engineering field and, um, and, and showcase the, the research that we've been doing in the baseball lab. Wonderful, Patrick. And lastly, uh, given that the Home Run Derby was last night, the Baseball All-Star Game is obviously tonight. Uh, any thoughts from the Baseball Research Center on, uh, on again, the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game? Well, the, we deal with wood bats and, and, and the baseballs, and obviously uh, we, we study the performance of, of the bats. And, uh, but a lot of it's related to, to really keeping... Uh, the, the integrity in the game and, and the all-star game and, and the home run derby are, are great ways to showcase just what's possible um, by the elite players that, uh, that play at major league level. And that was Patrick Drain, conference chairman uh, from the International Sports Engineering Conference held this week at UMass Lowell, talking about both the conference itself and the Baseball Research Center at UMass Lowell. And I also spoke with Professor John Eric Goff. He's a physics professor at Lynchburg College in Virginia and the author of Gold Medal, M-E-T-A-L, Physics, the Science of Sports. And Professor Goff uh, delivered one of the keynote addresses as well, and uh, this is what he had to say. This is John Inglesby, host of All Around Sports on Voice America Sports Network, and I'm here with Professor John Eric Goff of Lynchburg College, who is one of the keynote speakers at the International Sports Engineering Conference, occurring here at UMass Lowell. And Professor, uh, I attended your session this morning having to do with the Tour de France, and knowing it's so timely occurring as we speak. I was hoping to uh, get your thoughts, uh, if you could share with our audience, uh, on the Tour de France. Well, today's a rest day, so I'm sure cyclists are getting ready for a pretty grueling mountain stage tomorrow. Uh, there's a 7.1% climb in the middle of tomorrow's stage, so they're going to really need the rest today. What I do with Tour de France is try to predict the winning time for each stage. And on my blog, I put the prediction ahead of time, and every day I update it, the new prediction for the next day's stage, and stick my neck out a little bit and see how well I do when the real thing is run. And Professor, uh, I know you're giving your keynote address on Thursday, and it will have to do uh, with the Olympics, which are coming up here in, amazingly, just a couple of weeks. Uh, can you share with our listeners uh, some your thoughts about the Olympics and, and what you hope to cover in your keynote address? Well, I think one aspect of the talk that I'm going to give has to do with how 
everyone sees the world differently. Uh, this is the first time I've been to a conference for engineers. I'm a physicist, uh, so I've been to plenty of conferences with uh, physics folk, but this is the first time I've been around uh, mostly engineers, and it's a eye-opening experience to see how they view the world and how they interact with uh, the sports world. And what I want to do on Thursday is give them a little impression of how a physicist watches the Olympics. What are things that I'm looking at uh, when I see a weightlifter or a sprinter or a diver? What kinds of things uh, tickle my mind when I'm thinking about the laws of physics in action when the athletes are uh, performing at the pinnacle or their metier? So I'm, I'm very interested in uh, uh, giving people a sense that we all contribute something through our unique ways of seeing the world. And uh, also, I'm interested in rallying a little support for getting our young people more interested in science. I think uh, if you think about who the best scientists are in the world, they're children. They're, they have an insatiable appetite for understanding and questioning. And, and we've all been, as a parent of two, uh, great girls who ask me questions all the time, you know, why is the sky blue, why are you know, tires round, why does my hair not hurt when it gets cut, all kinds of great questions. Um, but kids also have a great deal of credulity, I mean, they will believe whatever they're told. And we really want to impress upon them that science is about asking questions and really seeking the data and evidence to answer those questions. And I think it's a good thing to use sports in the classroom for young people. Uh, they, they resonate with uh, some of the athletes today, and we can squeeze a little science in there and try to pique their interest in science. And that was Professor John Eric Goff talking about uh, the keynote address that he delivered yesterday. And lastly, here's Professor Goff talking, uh, talking a little bit more about the Olympics coming up in London in a couple of weeks. All of them. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, there's not a, a sport out there that I could not listen to somebody or, or myself even talking about the, the science behind it, the physics behind it. Um, you think about something like uh, we're, we're taught in physics what the law of conservation of angular momentum is. People use this to study galaxies rotating, and they also use it in the subatomic world. Uh, the new Higgs boson was discovered recently uh, on the 4th of July, as a matter of fact. And we use that conservation law in, in vast scales of, of, of the universe, from the atomic world to the uh, galactic world. And we also use it in sports, how divers can rotate their bodies, uh, gymnasts rotating, even long jumpers can lengthen the length of their jump through things they do with their arms and legs in the air. So one law of physics can be applied in so many wonderful areas. And I see it all the time when I'm looking at different sporting events. So there's a unique take on sports from the International Sports Engineering Conference at UMass Lowell that I had the pleasure to attend on Tuesday of this week. And, uh, again, I think I'll watch uh, the Olympics, Tour de France, and even uh, some baseball through a different set of eyes after uh, attending these fascinating sessions. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Whitetails Extreme. This week we'll have Captain Ron the Alligator Hunter, Hillbilly Hand Fishing Expert Skipper Bivens, plus Shark Hunter Captain Leaf Potter, and Sail Fishing Expert Captain Rick Brady. It's going to be a great show when we talk about catching dangerous game in the water. And as always, it's brought to you by Ram at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. It's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line with us now is friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Good to be here. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, and AP, uh, you know, you've been on the show a number of times, but I think I remember that the first time you were ever on the show was driving from Connecticut down to State College last September to cover the uh, Penn State-Alabama game and... I started off my show talking about uh, the Penn State scandal, of course, uh, and you know college football better than most, so I'd love to just get your thoughts on uh, on the free report that came out yesterday. Yeah, John, that was the, la- the first time we ever spoke. I was driving to a place they call Happy Valley. I don't think it's be referred to that very many times in the future with what's happened and transpired in the last year or so. But um, it was a you know disappointing report to say the least to find out that the person everyone revered for his integrity and um, all the good things he did for college football to find out that maybe he was 
behind the concealing of this tragic situation. So um, it's almost if you drop down uh, from another planet, you look at it as a Greek tragedy. I mean, Joe Paterno, who was revered more than he was by all the people who followed college football and the coaches. I mean, he had his sanctimonious moments through the years with some of the other coaches. I you know, can recall him saying he didn't want to leave the football, college football world to the Jackie Sherrills and Barry Switzers of the world. Right, I remember that. But um, it, it was certainly disheartening for all the Penn State people. I, I can't imagine it happening to uh, you know them what they what they think about all through the years if this was just a facade and and uh, it's a nightmare for them really. A nightmare is indeed the best word. There, the, the, uh, there's just no other way to say it. You're right on the money talking about Happy Valley. I grew up. <laughs> in Happy Valley, basically half an hour away, and uh, yes, there there won't be any happiness there for a long, long time. I mean, the the thing that there's so much to digest, and I know a lot of people are still digesting it. Uh, right. But you, you you know, I over the past 24 hours, shall we say, the two words that you know keep pounding in my head are, are you know, Louis Free's quote of, uh, you know, the, the callous disregard for the victims over 14 years. It's so mind-boggling. And with the emails, you know, that a lot of us have read in the last week and a half, uh, and that story was broken, by the way, by a high school classmate of mine, uh, Susan Candiotti, from Altoona, from nearby State College. She she knows Central Pennsylvania very well, like I yeah, do. And, yeah. uh, you know, she broke the email story. Uh, she works for CNN. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the way those emails were worded, I mean, and Free backed it up yesterday by saying, you know, again, the victims were not even in the really in the thought process. Yeah, that was, that was uh, really pitiful, you know, for people who are in the, I use the word "kid" business to not right. consider their their feelings and their thoughts, or their parents and all their family members. Uh, I, I just can't imagine. These are all very smart men, you know, and they've been around young men and people their whole life, you know, decades, and, and why they never considered the, the victims. I, I I just don't know it. And when you look back at it, John, you think you're thinking that. You know, 1998, something came up, and then maybe that wasn't handled very well. And then you had another chance in 2001 to maybe rectify that error in judgment. And then it's, and it's still, you know, fell on deaf ears. And I, I just, I can't comprehend, you know, I, I can't really understand what, what Joe Paterno was trying to accomplish with some of the, the um, ways he handled this situation. I don't know. Exactly. And none of us do know, and none of us are really ever going to know, because now, since Paterno's passing, you know, anything that anybody says, you know, is called into question, because now they're they're just covering themselves, obviously. I mean, for me, and I watched the news conference live with Lewis Free yesterday, and uh, basically, what went on... What exactly was said in the conversation between Tim Curley, the AD, and Paterno? And a reporter, to his credit, actually asked the question. 
and Free did not elaborate, uh, unfortunately, but I would have loved to have seen a follow-up question, basically, you, you know, Free said, you know, Paterno has passed, so we won't know from there, and he didn't elaborate on exactly what Curly said, uh, assuming that he talked to Curly, and uh, I would love to know if, you know, if it was, quote, a direct order, so to speak, uh, Curly, uh, you know, like, don't don't talk about it or whatever, or, yeah. you know, because then the follow-up Curly email after this meeting uh, basically said to Spanier and Schultz, don't, uh, you know, basically that Joe, su quote, suggested uh, you know, that authorities not be told, and that's pretty much where it died. Uh, I would have loved to have heard the follow-up question. I don't know that we would have got an answer, but I would have loved to, you know, that just personally jumped out at me since that appears to be the sort of key moment, if you will. I, th I think so, John. You're, you're exactly correct, and they violated some laws in there, I'm sure. Right. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've heard, I mean, when it first came to light, some of the people were saying how maybe it was a generational thing with Joe. He didn't really quite grasp the the magnitude of the situation, understand everything. But everyone knows abuse. It doesn't matter the age. I don't, you know, I didn't really buy that when it first came out about him not understanding uh, an assistant coach being a pedophile. I mean, everybody should understand that situation. It doesn't matter the age or the generation. So I never did buy that. I definitely appreciate what you're saying. I remember uh, hearing that, and uh, y you know, it's uh, you. And in light of the free report, you, you just can't even use that anymore. No one can use that anymore as you know, no. quote an excuse or, or a rationale, shall we say? But uh, yeah, it's um, you know, I, I think. The person, the big loser of the last two weeks, if you will, uh, in this whole situation, uh, is going to be Graham Spanier. I mean, we've we've all seen, you know, Tim Curley and Gary Schultz being uh, head downed right into the back of police vehicles, and they're under indictment, I believe, for perjury. They've been charged. Uh, but Spanier, who I think I read this morning, is still on the payroll, if you can believe that. Uh, the, pre the, the former president of Penn State. Hmm. He is, uh, y you know, I, I think he is the guy that is really, really going to, you know, take the heat now. I, I assume he is going to get arrested or charged in some form or fashion. And he hasn't been yet, but I certainly believe he will be based on everything we heard yesterday. Yeah, I mean, when you're at the top, I mean, I heard Matt Millen yesterday speaking, and he right, said when you're at the, the top of the, the food chain, I mean, no matter what anyone underneath you might suggest, you're the one, you, you have the stamp of approval on the decision. So you can't back away from it. If you're the commander on the ship, uh, you, there's no hiding from that that responsibility and that authority that you, you had, you know, and you had the power. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, the emails show that he had a certain awareness. He is the, he is the one, according to those emails, that used the word vulnerable, i.e. Penn State could be vulnerable if they didn't report it to authorities. This was immediately in the aftermath of Curley uh, emailing about what, you know, his meeting with Paterno. 
So it's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the buck stopped with Spanier, despite the fact that clearly Paterno was the most powerful man at the university and in the state of Pennsylvania. That is unquestioned. Mm-hmm. I lived it my entire life growing up, right. and so you know, again, the, I, I can br- bring personal testimony to the fact that Paterno was the most powerful man in the state. Oh, oh yeah, without question. I, I tell you a, a funny story. Well, on a, on a kind of a sad story, but, uh, on a, you know, today it's, it's not the day to be funny, but right. when Alabama was supposed to be playing uh, Penn State the first time, uh, Bear Bryant, he called up Joe Paterno and asked him, could you get us a police escort from the airport in Harrisburg? I mean, that's the type of authority that Coach Bryant thought Joe Paterno had in that state. <laughs> that is a good story. And, and uh, uh, you know, he, Joe Paterno kind of laughed about it, and he said, oh, I can't do that, but uh, other people perceived his power. And uh, so that, that's no question he had that power, John. J- John, I was going to ask you this question. Uh, you know, they have the statue of Joe Paterno there. I had some thoughts about just leaving the statue or taking it down, but I was wondering what you thought. I, I, I'll give you mine if you want first, if whatever's best for you. I'll throw it out there. I mean, good question. It's it's a hot topic today. Uh, I think they need to take it down, and I think they need to take his name off the library because – for all the, you, you, when you hear the name Joe Paterno forevermore, you're just going to think of this case. Period. That's it. Yeah. So for me, any reminders, especially a statue outside, you know, outside Beaver Stadium, is uh, just a, a bad reminder. And yeah. uh, so I, I just don't think it serves anybody's purposes, including Paterno's legacy and in, in the family and the university and, and, and just everyone involved. It's just, uh, you know, can't, can't be wiped off, you know, wiped out of the thought process now. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say, John, that the people of Penn State have to make that decision. You know, a lot of outsiders will, will have an opinion. But um, I don't know. I was, I was thinking that maybe something good could come out of this tragic situation. I was thinking that maybe some of his former players can get together and uh, contribute some funds to some type of organization that would make people aware of child abuse. Maybe that could be a, a much better legacy for Joe Paterno that the next time they hear his name, at least when people are on campus and they're visiting, they might come by something that has the you know, Paterno Child Abuse Center or something that Will make people understand the serious nature of of this uh, behavior, and you know maybe that's something that because he did so much good for the university and the, all those student athletes. I mean, they love their coach. I mean, they the, did. I can't imagine those those young guys or the older gentlemen now waking up and every day and thinking this man coached me and I love this man and and all this happened at the end of his life and in the last ten years. So. We, we've got to do something that there was more to him than just serious error and judgment. Yes, and you know, I mean, you raise an interesting point and an interesting wording as well because uh, the news broke yesterday, of course, that Nike and and very, very strong backer of Joe Paterno when the story broke last November, that of course being Phil Knight, the mm-hmm. founder of Nike. Uh, but Nike yesterday... Uh, is cha- announced they're changing the name of the Joe Paterno Child Development Center right. on the campus in Beaverton, Oregon. And 
just to hear you say the name of like the, the I thought of this because you just used the name potentially of the Joe Paterno child abuse avoidance or whatever center. Um, mm. You know, eradication would probably be a better word. Um, right. But, you know, just ironic that you would suggest that in the wake 24 hours later after they, his name literally is being removed from a, from a building with the name child as part of it. Um, well, AP, where do you think, uh, where do you think it goes from here? Yeah. You know, I mean, with I think the Penn state fo- program in general. Yeah. I think there'll be some large settlements that'll, that'll close the chapter for all the, the victims. I think, I mean, I think that's a good idea for the university. And it seems like they're, you know, they're willing to, to uh, adhere to those demands, I think, because they wouldn't have had that that study uh, paid for, you know, by Lewis Free if they didn't want to, you know, stand up and, and take you know suffer the consequences. So I think that's the best for them. And then as far as on the football field, you know, the new coach he disassociated himself from any type of activity and and said that they're going to implement certain checks and balances going forward and he actually has done pretty well on the recruiting circuit um you know he got like a top 10 quarterback to commit there and they've got some other uh, very good recruits so and all the people of penn state they're going to rally and 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 come to the games and uh, you know penn state will be on tv and they'll they'll receive those monies so you know, it's it's very difficult. I you know I would say a, a decade worth of of haunting at least by this incident. If, you know, and of course it'll go on longer for those who are, who lived it. Um, but Correct. you know, I mean, I, there's nothing Penn State can do but go forward. I mean, that's life. I mean, no matter what happens in anyone's life, you you know you have to get up the next day and and um, continue, uh, no matter how bad it is. So. You know, I agree. I agree. Well, the trustees are meeting in Scranton as we speak, yeah. and uh, a, a city you drove right through. I'm guessing on the way down to Penn State that uh, last September, and yeah, you know, I uh, we'll see what they do. They need, the, you know, they need to do quote the right thing. I suggested at the top of the show. I think they need to take a break, impose the de- the death penalty themselves on themselves yeah. uh, on the football program for at least this year, and. Uh, and just reassess, yeah. and that's what I think they need to do. Uh, there's a lot of stuff being floated out there, but we'll see what they do. I use the analogy, of course, that uh, you know the University of Miami, of all institutions, the, the I'll call them now former renegade program of them all. Right. You know, last year did not chose not to go to a bowl and then I just heard this week that apparently there's another violation brewing and they're considering again not going to a bowl game this year coming up and uh, for Miami to take that tactic and ignore the argument of you know the current players had nothing to do with it so to speak uh, I give them credit, and, and Penn State just has to, in my mind, you know, adopt that same argument. They have to. Yeah, you know? I wouldn't disagree with that, John. I mean, it, that's this is, I think, the worst um, 
uh, situation I've ever seen in sports. I think I don't know. I can't. Think I agree. Of, I can't think of another one. I mean, I'm trying to think. I of can't a either. One. No, this stands alone, AP. It's uh, I've been calling it since last November the worst story ever. Period. That's it. Yeah. Worst sports story ever. Yeah. Well, we shall see. I, I'm, I'm, I myself am again, you know, anxious to see what, if anything, the trustees do today. Literally today. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I hope they do the right thing. But just ended on sort of a, you know, you talk about Penn State and recruiting and all that. I, I know that you were. Uh, you, you you were telling me a little bit about a story, a recruiting story of your own, since you have your finger on the pulse of these types of things. Yeah, it was kind of a funny situation, John. Uh, last December, a uh, running back from Alabama was had been committed to Auburn for maybe a year, and during the dead period, he switched to Alabama, and then he enrolled in January, and he had a press release, specific wording of a press release. Well, yesterday the number one inside linebacker in the country, some say, Reuben Foster, he uh from Georgia, but he's now at Auburn High School and he'll be playing there this year. He called a press conference and he flipped from Alabama to Auburn. And he actually verbalized the same, almost word for word, what T.J. Yeldon did when he uh, released a press release in December. So I thought that was kind of uh, unique. I'd never heard that done before. He's kind of a stoking the fires down there. So T.J. Yeldon is now going to uh, Alabama. Yeah, he, Alabama. He, yeah, he he uh, has not played a down at the University of Alabama, but he's a six foot two inch uh, running back, about two hundred fifteen pounds. He was the MVP of the A Day game, which is the spring game at Alabama. So that's quite a feat. I don't think that's ever been accomplished. Wow. No, that's of great interest to me because T.J. Yeldon played in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl in San Antonio that I worked at this past January. Uh, so, yeah, I remember watching him on the field. He, he yeah. is a player. So, yeah. wow, that's interesting. Yeah, he's quite a talent, quite a talent. But, uh, yeah, there's yes, always something is. new in that Alabama-Auburn rivalry. When you, you, when you think you've seen everything, something new jumps up. Absolutely. Well, Good to, good to end this segment with a little real football talk, since that's really what this show is all about. And uh, AP, I just want to thank you again for taking the time to join me today. And look forward to having you again in the future. Oh, thank you very much, John. It'll be a brighter note the next time. I hope so, AP. And uh, time for our break now. And coming up next will be Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports. Featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. 
Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, how are you doing today? I'm well, John. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. And uh, no surprise, uh, during the slowest sports week of the year, we have devoted most of the program to the free report on the Penn State scandal. And... Like in all things, I would love to get your take on it. Well, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, it's it, it, it pretty much what, what, a lot, what a lot of people are thinking. And, you know, I don't know how else you can really look at this other than, you know, as you mentioned uh, before in the tail end of your segment with, with AP, I mean, since, you know, it's probably, the, probably the, the biggest or worst, however you, you want to look at it, the worst sports scandal Ever. I mean, if you look at you know, look at look at everything. I mean, it, it, it's really hard to come up with a story that, that that that's worse than this one was. And you know, we've as we've been talking about for months. And you know, I, I think it's just a culmination of everything we've talked about. I mean, you know, uh, back when it first happened, you, you remember you and I talking about uh, you know, and, and of course this coming from from the place where you know you and I both have uh, you know PR backgrounds as well as sports backgrounds. Um, you talk about crisis management, and you talk about hmm. being transparent and doing things the right way, and, and, and dealing with things when they first come up, and and you know just, just handling things in the right, proper manner. And you know we said at the time uh, that Penn State did none of the above. I mean they did everything the wrong way. And now as as we see the the, the, the damning evidence of the free report. Uh, you know, it's pretty much the worst case scenario. I mean, these are some of the things that that people have been kind of surmising and thinking, and you know what we've been talking about you know, for the past several months, ever since the, the, the news broke this. And uh, you know, if, if, if we are to take the free report and look at it and 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 judge it as you know this is the way it was, it, it, it can't get any worse for Penn State. I mean, you're you're talking about a program that you know where the top people in the program including Joe Paterno, knew what was going on, chose not to act on it for fear of negative publicity when, you know, ironically, I, I think if they had addressed it, uh, you know, back in 1998 when these allegations, uh, you know, toward Jerry Sandusky first came along, I think if they had handled it uh, promptly and were proactive and put an end to it and gotten rid of Sandusky at that time, you know, I, I think they would have come out looking a lot better. They would have looked been looked upon as as a school and a program and a coaching uh, staff and a mentality that that 
you know, dealt with this and, you know, and, and pretty much said, you know, we're not going to have this on our campus with our program. We're not going to have, have a, a, a child molester and a pedophile on our staff. We're not going to, we're not going to deal with this, but by choosing not to act, by choosing to ignore it, by choosing to not, not deal with any of the reports, not deal with any of the accusations, uh, you know, uh, he, he saw untold victims added to the numbers that that that, uh, that were involved with Jerry Sandusky. So, you know, obviously you're going to have appeals. You're going to have opposing uh, viewpoints. You're going to have like, your lawyers for Spanier and Curley and and the fraternal family saying, "Well, you know, this is just what this is just one side of it. The other side of it." Well, I, I don't, again, I don't see how you can defend any of this. I don't think there's any defense for it. I don't think there's any anything anyone can say that will make anybody feel better. That certainly will not change uh, what has happened to, to any of the victims, what they've had to deal with uh, in their lives as a result of all this. Um, you know, it just it, it it just as I said before, I, I think it's the absolute worst case scenario for, for all involved, and it's it's unfortunate. It's it's it's, it's you know it's terrible. You know, and it's not the end of this yet. I mean. And does he still have to be sentenced? And then we have to find out, you know, uh, how the legal system is going to deal with Spanier and Curley and, and some of the other people involved. So it's not over yet. Uh, the story's not going to end. And, uh, you know, it's certainly uh, Penn State is not being looked upon in a positive way by anybody, nor should they be. Um, it, 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 it's a horrific story. And uh, sadly, it's, it, it's not over. It's, it, it, it's not going to end. Uh, for some time, and I, I just think that you know, again, uh, handled everything handled the wrong way by Penn State, and uh, and we saw it when we've seen that uh, now right from the beginning of the whole story, and uh, it's, it's 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 sad. It's just, it's just uh, you know one of the saddest stories. I think we can we can really. I can't think of anything worse that that, that I can ever remember in sports. You know, something uh, as far reaching as this. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just awful. It really is, and that's a terrific synopsis, Barry, uh, to put it mildly. And, yeah, I mean, the only thing I can even put in the category, really, or that just comes to mind is, you know, O.J. Simpson. There's no, what else can I say? That's Nothing else much. even enters the thought process except that one, and I'm not even, they're not, com- they're similar in one way, Hor- horrific crimes, period. Right. Right. And it happens to be associated with sports people. Um, but, yeah, it's and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I don't, I don't think yesterday was the low point, and it certainly wasn't the end. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I really, really strongly believe that because, you know, at the end of the day, there's only been one victim that I am aware of has actually spoke publicly and uh, I, I think that that may happen going forward in the future. And I think once the civil suits start, and they're going to be many, many, many of them for gigantic amounts of money, but I think that's going to, you know, create a whole new level of uh, information that we haven't seen yet. And frankly, I think it's going to be very ugly, to put it mildly. It's going to be graphic. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it's it, 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 at this point in the whole process, it's still very difficult for me, and I think for a lot of people too, to look at this as 
the sports story anymore because it really isn't. It's it, it's transcended all of that. I mean, it's you know, it, 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 to me, it's even hard to even discuss the story in 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 in, in the regard to well, how it's going to affect the football program. You know, I think it's gone way beyond that. And, you know, I think those questions will have to, have to be brought up and resolved at some point, but I don't, think we're at, I don't think we're at that point yet. And, you know, of course, it's going to be very difficult for them to recruit players. It's going to be very difficult to find people who want to associate with themselves with, with the university or with, or, or with the program. Um, you know, the total cleaning house, I mean, they've... They have done that to, to, to some degree, but they need to do do more. And you know, until we see the um, you know the entire administration turned over and cleaned up, and you know, put this behind them, it's going to take a long time. Dude. We may not see it for years. We may not see uh, reputation of Penn State change uh, for a long, long time. And it, it's going to take a long, long time. It may take a generation or two, seriously, before it's really. Uh, before Penn State is thought is thought about in a positive way, or, or let's just say in not this kind of way. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be far-reaching. It, it's going to continue. It's not going to end anytime soon. And I don't know that we're going to have any any answers anytime soon as far as how it affects the, the football program itself. We're just we're just we're just not at that point yet. It's too it's too raw. It's too fresh. It's too uh, it's too painful for for I think for for most of us even really think about it in that way. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the legal system's going to continue to try to deal with this, and uh, a lot of moral moral issues to deal with, a lot of ethical issues to deal with, and, you know, quite frankly, I, I, I don't know how you turn it around at this point. I think there's just been too much damage done, and, you know, as you said before, uh, you know, you're talking about the death penalty, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a self-imposed death penalty uh, would be one way to go about doing this. It would certainly... It would certainly be the first step in in a process in a, in what has to be some sort of healing process. It's going to take a long time, but you know maybe maybe that's one way to go about it. Maybe maybe the administration has to say, you know what, there's been so much damage done, we just need to take a step back from everything and just let everybody let let everyone you know let the legal system take care of this. And you know maybe maybe that's a good way to do it. Maybe that's a good idea. I think it's the only way to go. I think it's, you know, it's the obvious right thing to do. And speaking, uh, just switching subjects from a another organization that has had troubles on the field, that being the New Orleans Saints, we have breaking news uh, for, I think, our third week in a row. Well, uh, we're yeah, we're down under two minutes. The Saints just signed Drew Brees to a five-year, $100 million deal. Sixty million guaranteed. Again, we're down under two minutes, Barry. But I'd love to get your uh, quick take on that one. I, I um, they had to do it. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, of course they did. I mean, he's one of one of the, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and he's Super Bowl champion. And uh, they really didn't have much of a choice, you know. With everything else that's gone on, you know, at least they don't have to worry about the offensive side of the ball. Defense is another issue, but uh, you know, offense is. Uh, you know, getting Drew Brees, keeping Drew Brees in the fold is uh, you know no brainer. They had to. So uh, good, good for the Saints in that regard. So uh, you know, we've we've heard way too much about the problems that the that the, uh, that the defense has had. At least they don't have to worry about the, the offensive side of the ball. Yes, and seeing Drew Brees uh, during the ESPY Awards the other night. Uh... 
you know, he is the face of the franchise. He did just set, you know, the all-time passing yardage record. And he's, you know, obviously the face of the franchise, one of the faces of the NFL. I, you know, I always wonder why these things take so long, particularly this one. But, you know, I guess negotiation deadlines are at the end of the day. The one thing, <laughs> the only thing that gets deals done. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, well, Barry, I just want to thank you for calling in, as always, and for your terrific perspective and synopsis on Penn State. Um, we'll see where it goes from here. You know, we're not going to have to wait long, I don't think. You know, the trustees are meeting today, so we'll see what, if anything, they do. If, if I'm, I've been very clear throughout the show, if I'm them, they need to act today. We'll see what they do, if anything. I agree. All right. Well, uh, as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 